0: Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at Life Point, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030. And we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Well, happy Thanksgiving a few days afterwards, okay? Today I'm going to be teaching us about how to get an answer from our prayer, so I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and just ask them, what are you praying for this holiday season, this next year? Go ahead and take a minute uh, just to do that, okay? Now I can tell you what I'm praying for. It's really simple, okay? I believe in God's providence. Pastor Mark was at an event this past, uh, past few weeks, and he won a Hawaiian shirt. And I have not seen it on stage since he won that Hawaiian shirt. How many of us here would like to see God answer my prayer of seeing Pastor Mark wear a Hawaiian shirt on stage? There you go. Well, we're going to learn today how... To pray the kind of prayer that God answers. Because if we're going to pray, we might as well pray a prayer that God's going to answer. And I'm not talking about the kind of prayer where you're praying for that 82-inch flat screen TV. I really think that most of us here can go out and probably buy one of those things. I'm talking about the kind of prayer that when we're in a crisis, where we're looking for some kind of hope to hold on to. And so what I want you to do is I want you to pull out your smartphones and find your note page, and I want you to take some good notes. Because out of Daniel chapter 9, you and I are going to see six steps that Daniel took to see the answer to his prayer that gave him hope. So let's get started. The first thing that you and I need to do that we see out of Daniel chapter 9 is this. You've got to let God speak to you first. You have to listen to the voice of God. Now, you may be sitting here and you may be asking, well, how in the world do I do that? Well, in order for me to explain that, you first need to understand this principle. God always makes the move first. You don't. God is the initiator. We are the responder. We love because God first loved us. We serve because God has first served us. We give Because he is first given to us. God will never ask you to do something that he hasn't done himself. God is the initiator and we are the responders. And this is true with prayer as well. The reason that we talk to God about things that are on our hearts is because God has already spoken to us through his Bible. The Bible was written over 3,500 years ago by 66 different authors. And there are over 7,000 promises in God's Word about the crisis or the crises that you are going through. And He's told us those in advance. And we need to listen to what He says about the situation we're in. And so we allowed God to talk to us first. Now, how. Does that happen? As you and I are reading God's word. When you and I read God's word, and by the way, if you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew, please take it. It's our gift to you. As you and I are in God's word, God can speak to you about how and when and where and what to pray over the promises that he has already spoken to you about in his word. Daniel did this. Daniel at this point in time in his life is 85 years old. When you begin to read the book of Daniel, in Daniel 1, he is 15 years old. But by Daniel chapter 9, which we're going to take a look at today, he is 85 years old and he has been faithful to God. He has been promoted to higher and higher and higher positions in three different administrations. The Babylonians, the Assyrians, the Persians, all while he is in a foreign land. And at this point in time, in Daniel 9, folks, he's old. He wants to go home to Jerusalem. He knows that God has said in Jeremiah that you're going to be in captivity for 70 years. And he knows the time is coming ripe, but there is a crisis in his life. He knows God's people haven't turned their hearts back to him yet. This is a crisis, hopeless situation in Daniel's life. And Daniel is afraid that he and God's people are going to be stuck in a foreign land. This is how this prayer starts out. Take a look at Daniel 9, 1 and 2. It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, who was made king of the Babylonians by Cyrus. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, was studying the scriptures. I learned from the word of the Lord, as recorded by Jeremiah the prophet, that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians, and it wasn't going to be rebuilt for 70 years. And only after that, when Israel turned their heart back to God, would they be able to come back. You see, there's some key phrases right off the bat in this prayer. And that is, he studied the word and he learned from the word. Your prayers and my prayers will never be effective until we study the word of God. Until we learn the word of God. If you are ignorant of the Bible you won't know how to pray, what to pray, and when to pray over the promises of God. And so you've got to read just a little bit, if nothing at all, just a little bit in the morning of God's word. And Jesus spoke of this. In John 15, verse 7, Jesus said, If you stay connected to me and my words remain in your heart, what's he talking about there? He's talking about being in God's word. You may ask any request you want in prayer, and it will be given to you. In that short little verse there, Jesus gives two conditions for answered prayer. If you're praying and not getting any answers, I would encourage you to check out those two conditions, which are, are you connected to God, and are you in his word? Am I connected to God? Is there anything between me and God right now? And am I in his word and is his word in me? And am I talking about those things? Now this is important. It's so important that I would suggest that you do what Daniel did in his life. And that is pray throughout the day. Daniel prayed three times a day. Morning, noon, and basically evening. You and I need to pray throughout the day. I know I do. When I wake up in the morning, before my feet hit the ground, honestly, I say, God, thank you for another day. I am so excited that I get to participate in what your will is for my life today. And when my feet hit the, the ground, I'm listening for God's voice. And God speaks. Oftentimes, sounds like Cheryl, okay? <laughs> George, will you finish the dishes and make me coffee? Yes, God, this is going to be an exciting day, okay? Men, if you will do this morning, noon, evening, by yourself, during your work day, at your homes, with your families, I guarantee you this, it will revolutionize your life. It will make you a stronger man. It will make you a more courageous person. Women, can I encourage you to do this throughout your day? It will make you a stronger woman. It will make you a more confident woman. I guarantee you, if you and I will do this, it will revolutionize our life. Now, Daniel is worried. He's worried about this situation he's in. He's wanting to go home, but God's people haven't turned their heart. And he is in this crisis situation. And he starts to read the book of Jeremiah. You may not know this. But Daniel and Jeremiah were contemporaries. When Jerusalem was overthrown, Daniel went back to Babylon, and Jeremiah stayed in Jerusalem in a broken city. And so what is happening here is that Daniel is reading Jeremiah 29. Let's read this. This is familiar to us, I'm sure. God says this to you. You will be kept in Babylon for 70 years, but then I'll keep my gracious promise to bring you back to your home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you, not plans for your disaster. My plans will give you hope and a future. My guess is you are very familiar with that scripture, aren't you? It's where God says, I've got a plan for you. And it's going to be a a plan that has a future with hope. Folks, we know this verse. We are familiar with this verse. A lot of times we like to claim this verse. But what we don't do is we oftentimes don't finish the passage. The next verse that says, in those days when you pray... I will listen. Now this is important. God made you for a purpose. He has a purpose and a plan for your life. You can miss it. And to be honest with you, a lot of people do. But he has promised, you know what? I will rescue you. I, I will bring you home. I will deliver you. But in Jeremiah, there are two factors that are involved in fulfilling that purpose. Will you write these down. Write them somewhere. This is key. God's timing and my praying. So let me explain this out of Jeremiah. God says, I have got a plan and I have got a purpose for you. And I am not going to cut short my purpose. It's going to take 70 years. But don't worry about it. It really is a good plan. And when you turn your hearts back to me and you start talking to me, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to listen and I'm going to answer. Now, I want you to notice something in this verse God is not a genie in a bottle. God is sovereign. He is in control of every aspect of life. He has determined the time and the places and the purposes for your life. And when the timing is right, guess what you still have to do? You still have to pray. Because God's not going to do it until you do. James says, You have not. Why? Because you ask not. God has a timing. But at this story, it hadn't happened yet, because they hadn't turned to God, and they hadn't started talking to him about it. Now this leaves our life in a quandary, doesn't it? How do I know when God is waiting on me, and how do I know when I'm waiting on God? Well, let me explain this out of Jeremiah. If you've asked God to do something significant in your life and there's nothing between you and God, okay? As far as you know, everything is right between you and God and you are in God's word and God's word is in you. And you're talking to God about it and it hasn't happened yet. Well, then it's God's timing. If I want, on the other hand, if I want God to do something significant in in my life, and I have never, never asked God for wisdom and guidance, I haven't been connected to God, there's things between God and I, I haven't really talked with him about it, then guess what? It's on you. There's God's timing, and there's my praying. So let me ask you a personal question. What is it during this holiday season? And I'm not talking about a Hawaiian shirt that I'd like to see Pastor Mark wear. What is it that you're really hoping for this holiday season? The first step, God would say, is simply this. Listen to me. The second step that we see in Daniel 9 is focus your attention on God. This is the second step in seeing a prayer answered. Look at Daniel 9, 3. So I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to circle the phrase, turned my face. Husbands, I want to give you, I found that this really works. I mean, husbands, I want to give you a little marriage advice. When your wife speaks to you, turn and look at them in the eyes. They really like that, you know? Why? Because it communicates I've got your undivided attention. Did you know that you can do that with God? You can turn your face towards God. How, Pastor George? Physically. It says that he arose from the grave and that he was taken up in a cloud. You can physically look up and say, God, you've got my attention. God, I, 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 I'm focused on you. I, I, I'm going to blank out everything else that's around me. And when you do that, I, can I tell you this? You can do it without your eyes closed. There's nothing in the Bible that says that you have to close your eyes when you pray, okay? In fact, I would encourage you, if you're praying while you're driving, please do not close your eyes. It may not turn out pretty. You don't have to close your eyes but you can physically kind of look up and say, God, you've got my undivided attention. This is what Daniel is doing. I love the New American Standard Version, and I hope you read different versions. It it expands your understanding of Scripture. Daniel 9, 3. So I gave my attention to the Lord to seek him by prayer. To seek him. This is the second step in praying. The first step is listening. The second step, is seeking. There's a lot of verses in the Bible. Let me read to you some about seeking. Amos 5.4, seek me and you will live. Do you feel like you're already surviving the holidays? God says, if you'll seek me, you'll live. Proverbs 8.17, I love those who love me and those who seek me will find me. Where is life discovered at? It's not, through, not in front of some big... 82-inch 80, uh, screen TV. No, it's found in discovering who Jesus is. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. We'll talk about that in a moment. Hebrews 11:6. 6, God rewards those who earnestly seek him. Jesus in Luke 12, 31, seek first God's kingdom before everything else. In other words, put God's purposes first for your life and all these other things you need will be given to you. I don't know if you realize this, but, but most of the problems that you and I experience in life is the result of not seeking God. We didn't seek God first. We didn't consult him first. Should I buy this house or should I not buy this house? Should, should I buy this car or should I not buy this car? God, what's your mind on this? Should I get married to this person or should I not get married? A lot of the stress that you and I experience in life, I really believe is the result of us really not seeking God. I know that's true for my life. And do you know what God becomes when you and I don't seek him? He becomes the, the, the uh, um, Burger King God of the universe. You can just have it your way. And he does. And this is where Israel was at. Look what God says to the nation of Israel in Hosea. God speaks this to him because he says, you know what, you guys? You haven't sought me. Isaiah 5, 15 and following. I will return to my place on high, and I'll just wait until they, that is, God's people, acknowledge their offenses and feel their guilt and seek my face. Then in their troubles and distress, I'll start to get is going to start to get their attention. They will earnestly seek me, saying, "Let us return to the Lord so that we so that he may heal us." Folks, I really believe that is a description of what is going on in our world, okay? It's what's going on in maybe our inner world and what's going on in our outer world. We're not seeking God for our lives. We're not seeking God for our marriages. We're not seeking God for our families. We're not seeking God for our careers. We're not seeking God even for our country. And God says, guess what? I'm just going to let it continue until the pain gets so bad you finally will turn to me. As Proverbs says, sometimes it takes a painful situation to get our attention. So what is it that needs healing in your life right now? God, I need your help with my body. I need your help with my family. I need your help with my marriage. God, I need your help. I'm at the end of my severance for a job. I just want to ask you a few questions. Is it possible that the situation that you're in is the result of not seeking God? Secondly, if you could paint your future differently than what it is right now for next year, what would that picture look like? But the most important question maybe is this. Are you willing to seek God for it? The third step in a prayer that gets answered at a Daniel 9 is this. Express your desires with emotion. Whether it's about your health, whether it's about your marriage, whether it's about some relationship, whether it's about your finances, whatever it is, Express your emotions to God. So many of our prayers are just humdrum prayers. I'm sure a lot of people prayed around the, the uh, Thanksgiving table, this, this holiday season, and it was just a cut and dry prayer. God's great, God's good, let us thank him for our food. Rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, God, okay? Sometimes our prayers are like Eeyore in, in Winnie the Pooh. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. You see, honestly, God doesn't care how many words you say. And he doesn't care about how beautiful those words are. But what he does care about is the intensity and the emotions behind those words. Have you learned that you can say the right words in the wrong emotion to your spouse and they don't get it? Why? Because the tone of your voice matters. God is an emotional God. The only reason that you and I have emotions is God has created us in his image. God is love, so we are able to love God is happy, so we're able to be happy. God gets sad, so we're able to get sad. God gets frustrated, so we get frustrated. We've been made in the image of God. God is an emotional God, and he is very emotional about you. Do you realize that? He doesn't come over you and say, I love you. Another day, I guess, in paradise. No, the Bible says that he shouts over you with shouts of joy. God is passionately in love with you. He has deep, deep, deep emotions, folks, for you. And your tone of voice makes a difference in the request. I mean, think about if you were going to get married to some significant other and you just came up to them and just said, Will you marry me? Or will will you marry me? Do you think the outcome might be different? I kind of think so, okay? And so if you ask God for something in your crisis, remember, he listens for the intensity in your voice. God, I've got to have this. Please, 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 with sugar and candy on top, God. I've got to have it. And this is how Daniel talks to God. Look at Daniel chapter 3. And I began pleading with God earnestly in prayer. That word pleading means asking with emotion. It's not mundane, it's not dry. It is seeking God seriously. Please, 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 please God, you've got to come through. I'm getting old and I want to come home, God. I want to die in my home country. Take a look at Daniel 9:3. I love this out of the message. I poured out my heart Bearing my soul to God. Have you ever done that? Daniel is doing this here, folks. This is a gutsy prayer. God, I've got to have your help. God, I've got to have your help in my schooling, in my marriage, in my family. Folks, we've got to have help in our church. God, I'm pouring out my heart for you. Do you remember the last time you prayed that kind of prayer? I'm not a prophet, but I can tell you exactly when it happened. When you were in desperate need. When you were in a crisis. God, you've got to come through. But here's the deal you and I don't have to wait until we're in deep, deep pain. We can do it in advance. The Bible calls this crying out to the Lord. And many people throughout the Bible cried out to the Lord before they were ever in pain. And you know what happened? God listened to them. Why? Because God listens to the cries of our heart. And this is what Daniel is doing. God, I just want to go back home. God, I really, really do, God. And I'm getting old. God, help your people to turn back to you and listen to their prayers. It's interesting. A lot of times as believers we stop at Jeremiah 29, but you got to finish the rest of the book. In Jeremiah 50, Jeremiah says this, Then my people will join together, that's key, in tears to seek the Lord, and they will ask the way to Jerusalem, and they will start back home again folks that's a touching verse that's a verse that's filled with hope god we don't know the way back home we are so lost god we don't know the way back home but we're asking you god to show us the way and we're asking with tears on our face you and i need to pray that kind of prayer God, my life is out of whack, I just need to come back home. My marriage is out of whack, I just need to come back home, God. My family is out of whack, we just need to come back home. My vocation is out of whack, I just need to come back home. God, will you show the way? And when you do that, with emotion in your heart, and words, guess what happens? God listens to the cries of our heart. So let me ask you this. Do you know what's going on in your personal world? And if you cried out to God, God, show me the way back home. Our church tonight is getting together, probably one of the most inconvenient times in many ways. But you come together, 5 o'clock, and let's pray. God, show us the future of LifePoint for us. Make it clear. Lead us back home, God. There's a fourth thing for a prayer to be answered that we see in Daniel. I and it's this, I need to demonstrate my seriousness. I need to demonstrate my seriousness. When you start to pray about something, you need to signal to God, God, I am really I am really serious about this. This is what Daniel does and he does it in two ways. Culturally and universally take a look at Daniel 9 3 and I started fasting and went without food to show my sadness I put on rough clothes and sat in ashes rough clothes and ashes is a cultural thing it's a it's a cultural thing of showing seriousness fasting is a spiritual discipline that is universal And Jesus said, sometimes when you're looking for a miracle in your life, and you are desperate, and you're looking for hope, you need not just to pray, but you need to fast. Not just prayer, but fasting. Why? Because it shows that you're serious. Now, I don't have time to go through God's word and give you examples about this, but there are many. Moses prayed before he got the Ten Commandments. That's a pretty big deal. Israel, before they took the Promised Land, fasted before they entered in to to win the victory and the land. Nehemiah, before the wall was built, he fasted. Jesus fasted while he was in the wilderness being tempted so that he could overcome temptation. And so, too, in our desperate situations, there are times where we just don't pray. We fast. God, I'm serious. The fifth thing that we see in this answered prayer is that I need to thank God for his love and his promises. The Bible, pretty clear, says that we need to enter into his courts with praise and thanksgiving in our heart. And we just celebrated our national holiday, right? Thanksgiving. But for a follower of Christ, thanksgiving isn't a one-day event. It is a lifestyle And Daniel in his prayer reminds God of how good he is and he expresses his gratitude to God for who he is. Take a look at Daniel 9, 4. Then I said, Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your promises of constant love to those who love you and keep your commands. Daniel 9, 9, even though we have rebelled against you, You, Lord, are merciful and forgiving. You see, as a follower of Christ, we have this attitude of gratitude, of expressing gratefulness at least for who God is. Maybe not for the situation you're in, but for who God is. And you're basically saying, like Daniel is saying, God, I just want you to know you're God, and I'm so thankful that you are, and I'm not. I'm grateful that you're a loving God, that you're a forgiving God, that you're a merciful God, that you are a patient God. God, thank you for your love and thank you for the promises that are in your word. And then the last step that we see in this prayer of Daniel's that you and I need to take is that we need to humbly confess our sin. You see, God doesn't listen to prideful complaining. But he does listen to humble confession. Confessing, God, you were right and I was wrong. And God responds to that kind of humility. And so we need to admit, God, I've blown it. I've got flops, failures, and fumbles. But Pastor George, doesn't God already know our sins? Sure he does. Well, then why do I have to do it? For our own humility, to remind ourselves that guess what? I'm just a man. I'm just a woman. I'm just a human being. God, you're God, and you're right, and I'm wrong. And so we confess, and Daniel does this in Daniel chapter 9, verse 5 we have sinned and done wrong. But he doesn't leave it there in a general sense, folks. He drills down on it. He gets specific. Take a look at Daniel 5 6. We have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you. That's specific. And ignored your commands. That's specific and rejected your laws, that's specific. We have refused to listen to your servants, that's specific. The prophets who spoke your message to our kings and leaders and parents and to everyone else in our nation. He's being specific. He's saying, guess what? It's all our fault. Look at Daniel 9, 7 and 8. We have brought disgrace and shame on ourselves because we've been unfaithful to you. That's specific. This is true of all of us, including our kings, leaders, and parents. In essence, he's saying, you know what? We've all committed spiritual adultery. Verse 10, we paid no attention to you when you told us how to live. That's specific. The clear teaching that came through your prophets. You told us what to do and guess what? We just chose to ignore it. Look at Daniel 9 13 and 14. We kept on sinning, never giving you a second thought, oblivious to your clear warnings so you had no choice but to let disaster loose on us since we persistently and defiantly ignored you. That's pretty specific. And then he summarizes The results of this in verse 16. Now all the nations mock us. We're not an example of what we should be to the world. That may ring true for some of us right now. Now Daniel knows that he doesn't deserve the grace of God. But he falls on the grace of God. Look at Daniel 9.18. Oh God, listen to me and hear my request. We do not ask because we deserve help, but because you are so merciful. God, you are a good God. And you are good God all of the time. There's no time that you aren't God. And this prayer that Daniel prayed wasn't some superficial prayer. It was a prayer of hope. Because a prayer of hope is a prayer anticipating God's goodness as you're falling on the character of God, listening to the word of God while you're praying over the promises of God. Let me just say that again. A prayer of hope is anticipating God's goodness falling on the character of God, listening to the word of God while you are praying over the promises of God. And what happens when you and I pray that kind of prayer? Well, notice the result. Daniel chapter 9, 20 and 23. While I kept on praying and confessing my sin and the sins of my people and pleading with the Lord, Daniel just didn't do this one time. He did this lots and lots and lots of times. Suddenly, the angel Gabriel appeared in my vision and said, Daniel, I've been sent to help you understand God's plan, His purpose. The moment you began praying, an answer was given and I'm here to tell it to you, for God, for God loves you very much. So let me ask you this question. Is your future worth praying over? Is your future, this holiday season, this next year, whatever may come our way, is it, is it worth listening to God? Is it worth focusing in on God? Is it worth reading God's Word and be, getting and understanding the promises? Is it worth bearing your soul to God? God, if you don't come through, I don't know what we'll do. I, I'm sunk. Is it worth doing for our church family that has reached thousands of people over its 33, 34 years existence? Is it worth life point? continuing to minister to this community outside the walls and reaching thousands and thousands of people. I say it is. I'm on my way to a wedding in Birmingham, Alabama, in the airport, 6.30 in the morning. place is packed. And out of the crowd, a voice. Pastor George, and it didn't sound like my wife, Cheryl. this gentleman comes up to me and he says you know what I was in your church we've moved away since then and I'm on a trip to see my sons but you changed my life and I didn't even know the guy and I said thank you is it worth praying over I think so let's pray Lord, we come before you today understanding that you are a good God and that you are a good God all the time, God. Though we may not be experiencing goodness circumstantially in our life, you are a good God. And we fall on your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness and your patience and your forbearance. And we cry out to you, God. Hear our cries, answer our prayers. Some of you this morning may be hurting relationally, generally you have a family time, but this time (laughs) the family wasn't there. Will you talk to God about that? Will you just ask Him, God will you be my comforter, will you be my healer? God will you, will you lead me home? Some of you have broken bodies, and you're dealing with health issues. Will you cry out to God? Say, God, I've talked with you about this before, but I just wanna <laughs> grab your ear one more time, God, and let you know I want and I desire your healing hand on my life. Give me grace, God, until it's your timing. Some of you don't know Christ. You've heard about Him, <laughs> getting ready to celebrate His birthday here in a few, few weeks, and you need to come back home to your Creator God. Will you do that? It doesn't take fancy words. It doesn't take many words. It can be just God. I know I've blown it. I've failed. But I thank You for Your grace and Your mercy. Come into my life and lead me back home to where I belong, God. And if you prayed that kind of a prayer, there's people out in the lobby who'd love to talk with you, they would love to give you some literature. I'd love to talk with you. God, we just want to offer up this time, this season that we're coming into, and we want you to have our attention. We want to see you because in you is life, and that's what we want to experience. We lift all this up in your son's precious name. Amen. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.